worship team today. Thank you for being in the Lord's house with us. I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to Genesis 25. Genesis 25. Stick around, if you will, after service today. We're going to have a water baptism. Amen? I don't know about you, but water baptism excites me because the Lord is just doing things in people's hearts. Uh, it's not on our, our list today, but, but and some of you have gotten the notice. Next week, all of our midweek services, except for youth, the teenagers, um, Crossroads Student Ministry, all of our midweek services are going to be dismissed because our campus will be closed down for parking lot repairs. So right after service today, if you wouldn't mind, we're going to block the parking lot off. If you're going to go out to eat, you want to leave your vehicle, park it on the far side of the gym. Uh, but everything else we're going to block off to get ready. When the weather looks good, pray that we get concrete, get this work done, okay? All right, I want you to look here in Genesis 25. Genesis 25. Father, we come before your throne of grace. And Lord, I just thank you today that, Lord, we are more victorious than, Lord God, we even know. Lord, we are, Lord, more righteous, Father God, than, Lord, we even comprehend. Lord, we are truly, Lord God. Lord, your, your love, Lord, has been expressed to us. Father, I submit my heart, my mind, my, my thoughts to you. Holy Spirit, speak, Lord, not only to me, but, Lord, through me. Prepare hearts to receive today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. I want you to look here in Genesis 25. As we've been talking about the birthplace of promise, and we will recap on that in just a moment. But we've discovered that the birthplace of promise is the end of human effort. Amen? That... There's a salvation that we couldn't obtain on our own. There is a righteousness that is extraterrestrial, can we say that? Not of this earth. It's a righteousness that can't be obtained on earth, but can be retained in the heart of every person who receives the Lord. I'm getting some endorsement over here, so I might just keep going. But see, first of which, and, and I'm just going to keep saying it and saying it and saying it because I want to know it. I just want to know it. I want to live it. I want to walk in it. I want to breathe it. I want to breathe in the righteousness of God and breathe out the righteousness of God. Uh, there's a hunger that's stirred. And the Lord said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they have the assurance they will be filled. There is a feeling, but see, we've got to define righteousness. I asked someone this week, what is your definition of righteousness? And they said, well, just living morally. I said, no, <laughs> that's not what righteousness means. Righteousness means uh, to be as you ought to be, that is in Christ, and that you are God-approved, divinely accepted, divinely uh, commissioned of the Lord to receive and to be who you're called to be. And so as we look at this, we see that there's a righteousness that God gives us supernaturally through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. Now, the birthplace of promise is the barren womb. So we're, we've been looking at the sons that have been born in the word of God in this barren womb, and we see those as a reflection of Jesus. 
Because ultimately, how was Jesus born? He was born to this earth supernaturally, went beyond the systems of the, of the, of the womb, or of, the, of the systems of the, of the body, and the Holy Spirit placed the seed of Jesus in the womb of Mary, a virgin. So it was barren. It was all of these indications throughout the Word of God was pointing to that birthplace of promise, which was going to be a barren womb. So as we look here, we see in Genesis 25 and 21, speaking again of another barren womb. Now Isaac, the son of Abraham, he's a, he's a promised son, pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived, but the children struggled together within her. And she said, it all, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Hmm. So here we have, and we have talked about, how that Isaac was the initial barren son. The initial barren son, pointing ultimately to Jesus being the promised son. From that womb of impossibility came the possibility of all life for all existence in all humanity so what we see as we've looked also at samson last week we saw him as a deliverer the son of deliverance and how many know that when jesus came he delivered us out of sin he delivered us out of satan's grasp but he also instilled within us a new nature that we can walk in and we are called children of God not to hold the, the message of the good news to ourselves, but we are to breathe in the life of God and breathe out the life of God to others and declare to them that your sins are forgiven. They're forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but in order for you to participate, you have to receive that sacrifice as belief and knowing that God did that for you so you died with him but you also rose with him and you're alive in God oh what good news what good news we saw that how that the prophetic son Samuel Jesus being the word the word was with us and Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with us. The Word is God Almighty. And we see the prophetic son in Samuel. And we saw again, and we're going to talk a little bit more detail about Jacob, Jacob, uh, or I'm sorry, John, as the priestly son. But as we look here, I want, you to, I want you to note something here. Here is a barren womb. And within that promise of God and that prayer, there is a seed that is planted. Our systems weren't working. And she felt the struggle within, within her. 
And so she went to the Lord, and the Lord answered her, what's going on? He said, well, there's, you got twins in your womb. But you got more than twins, you got two nations. There's two nations inside of you. The Lord's painting a portrait for us so we can begin to understand. But see, those two nations, we're not going to stay in her, but there's going to be a birth. There's going to be a birth, and when that birth comes, those two nations are going to be separated. See, there's, I, I, I know that I am guilty, and I had preached the message of a, of a dual nature, and I didn't really want to get into this, but i, I got to look at the text right now. But what we see here is God's given an image. There's a, there's a son of promise, and then there's another image of a son that is in here. But see, when you are born again, when you step into the kingdom of God, when you breathe in the breath of life, when you accept Jesus, there's a separation from the old uh, carnal nature and the new nature you have in God. That you're not who you were. You are a brand new creature. And it's not just a, a, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is no discrepancy in the triune Godhead. They are together all at once all the time. And the Father was in the Son reconciling humanity to himself to himself so he's not just covered our sins he has removed the sin nature and put inside of us something that we couldn't get couldn't obtain couldn't be good enough to to possess it is something that is extraterrestrial it is not of this world he put his righteousness in us now some of you are thinking man this is more than I can handle here. This is pretty weighty, weighty responsibility. See, but the righteousness, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we may become the righteousness of God. This is the kicker. This is the ties it all together. In Christ. In Christ. So we fix our faith upon the one who made the sacrifice. We fix our faith entirely upon the one who has completed and who has released the righteousness in us. My faith is not in myself. And see, we say that, and we say, oh yeah, I believe that preacher. I stand with that preacher. But the truth is, we put a lot of emphasis on our ability to work hard enough to receive favor so that we can feel right, do right, and be right. And I say to you, it'll never happen. You can work 90 hours a week. You can never sleep, and you will find that there is no amount of work that can bring you peace you don't need to work harder as religion tells you you need to rest more in the completed work of Jesus Christ see there's a separation a separation the beautiful thing is is one will be stronger than the other the righteousness in you stronger than the elements that are around you greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world greater is he that is in you than any temptation that could come your way greater is he that is in you see the Bible tells us to awake to righteousness and don't sin anymore 
Once you awaken to righteousness, you don't sin anymore. You know what that word awake means? It means to be sober. It means to, it means to come to yourself and to your senses. Wouldn't you love it if the world just came to their senses? Just, just, there's a lot of things that are just nonsense, and as, as the Lord helps me, I'm not going to go there right now to talk to you about the nonsense in our world today. But we are living in a crazy, messed up world. And what they need is to come back to the Lord because the word sin that Jesus came to deliver us out of, you know what that ultimately means? It's come to mean miss the mark, but it's more than that. It means to lose your ever-loving mind means you have lost yourself you don't know who you are but when you awaken to the righteousness of the Lord and your faith is in what he has already done whoa wait a minute you've awakened wait a minute I'm sobering up wait now I, I said this may just mess some of you up but I, I've woke up with a hungover a time or two in my life woke up Hey, I'm a little further south than you are. <laughs> Keep your refined talk to yourself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You wake up and you're like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Give me something to help something that I'm going through right here. See, you can get so drunk on religion. You get so drunk on your works. You get so drunk on that you lose your mind. And you wake up with a hangover. You don't know that. Don't make me take a senses in here of the hungover and the hangovers. So, what does it mean when you awake to righteousness? You come back to yourself by coming to the realization that the work is complete. See, the stronger, no one to be stronger, and the older, the older shall serve the younger. Now, that's just total side note. I want to get into the message today. I want us to look here as we see that there is a son, a promise that's coming out of this barren womb of Rebekah. And we're going to tie this back into John as well because we need to see this and Andrew has already eloquently just presented some revelation that you need to go back and listen to because it was profound. But what you see here is each one of these sons that were born from a barren womb, they had a, they had a role, they had a, an office that they fulfilled, they had something uh, to do, and those, that something was pointing to Jesus. Profession, uh, uh, prophetic worship, prophetic uh, uh, utterance, a prophet, uh, a, a, a priest, uh, uh, so on. But what we see here is Jacob now. Jacob is not going to remain Jacob. My son is named Jacob. Now, Jacob found out the story at an early age of what his name meant, and it ultimately means supplanter. And he looked at his mother and he said, why did you name me that? He was so distraught. <laughs> change my name. Change my name. Calling me Israel. No, he didn't say that. He was only five. But anyway. But see, Jacob had an encounter of wrestling with the Lord. And in that place where he saw God face to face, in that wrestling, the Lord gave him another name. <laughs> 
And that other name was one who prevails with man and God. That name was Israel. Now, Israel had 12 sons. So he started out as the man Israel. He's got 12 sons. Uh, he's a family of Israel. Those 12 sons became 12 tribes, which ultimately became the nation of Israel. So there was a nation that came forth from a single man, and his name is Israel. Now, we saw as we began this study, as we began this study, we saw how that in Galatians, how that Paul quotes Isaiah 54. And you can put this as your reference. You can go back and look at that. But he says there, sing, O barren. Because you're going to break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who did not prevail with child. In other words, you who could not produce righteousness, you who could not produce the promise. Now, we, we owe a great indebtedness to the nation of Israel. We owe an indebtedness to the nation of Israel because Israel became the womb in which God would birth the promise of his son Jesus in. But Israel could not produce. And Israel, with the law, the instruction, only brought us to the point where we understood we cannot fulfill the righteous requirements of the law here on earth. There must be something supernatural that must take place. And the Bible tells us that the Lord in that very passage, he will be the husband. In other words, he will provide the seed, and that seed will go into the womb of Israel, and there will be a promised child that comes forth, and his name is Jesus. Now he said, the fulfillment of Abraham's blessing you're going to be a blessing to many generations. Uh, you need to loosen the stakes, lengthen the cords, uh, get the canopy spread out uh, because this message is not just uh, for a singular nation. It's, not, it's for all nations. It's not just for one nation of Israel. You don't, folks, let me tell you, don't return to Judaism 2.0. You need to go on beyond that because God wants the covenant to go to out all of the earth and the canopy to be spread. Now, as you look at this, we get a little deeper into the Word of God. We see that we've talked about John the Baptist who was born in a barren womb. And before he was born, the angel prophesied over him to his father. We prayed that prayer yesterday as we interceded over our children Luke 1 and 17. Luke 1 and 17. He will also go before him, speaking of Jesus. John will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John will go as he will be in the spirit, in the power 
of Elijah, the ministry of a priest, the mediator between heaven and earth, and he will go and proclaim the coming of the Lord. Oh, I see mission and purpose all over the church in the spirit and the power of Elijah. If you want a, a great study, look at 1 Kings, the 18th chapter. And I preached it so much in here, I think uh, uh, you, you could go back and reference that. But let me just touch on this, uh, that Elijah, the strength of the spirit of Elijah. Elijah was there in a nation that was so filled with such demonic influence. The, the children of Israel had lost their ever-loving minds, and they were worshiping and sacrificing their children to foreign gods, causing them, as the word of the Lord says, to pass through the fire. And here is Elijah, who is a representation of the Holy Spirit. And he shows up after a long drought and he says, there is a, I issue a death challenge. I issue a death challenge to the world system and the world religion. And the God that answers, let's serve him. Let me say to you right now, the God who has already answered, let's go ahead and serve him. Amen? So he said, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go get uh, all of the stones, 12 stones of Israel, because uh, the Israel has lost their imagery. They don't understand that they are made after the image of God. They have lost their identity. There's been identity theft that has taken place in the heart of humanity. They've lost their mind. They don't have any sense about them. They act goofy because they are goofy. Amen? They've lost their identity. Go gather those stones and set them there. Lay the sacrifice upon that altar. And then I want you to pour one, two, three times. Cover, saturate, singe. Let them know that there's a fire going to fall. It's not from the earth. That This earth cannot hold back. You can drench and drown. You can sacrifice that sacrifice. You can saturate that sacrifice. But you will not stop the fire burning upon that and consuming that false image and identity they have in themselves the amazing thing is this all of that imagery took place at the very hour of the day in which Israel for decade after decade after decade were sacrificing the daily lamb to point to the very time of Pentecost or Passover when they would sacrifice the true lamb at that very hour. Look at it, it's beautiful. But see, what was the ministry of Elijah? Well, it's to make Pentecostals feel better about themselves. It's to cause greater sense of musicality and worship in the house. It, it's to, it, it's to, give us a, a, a stamp and a badge that makes us exclusive in the world, in Christianity. No. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Go and tell the good news. 
go and tell that the righteousness of God, you have been divinely approved of God. You are as you ought to be in Jesus. He's not the example for you. He's the example of you. I, I just got some good news for somebody today. You don't have to work to find spirituality another moment or another minute or as long as you live. You can live in the righteousness of God through faith in the one and only true righteous one who has taken up residence in the heart of every child of God. And when you awaken to that righteousness, why in the world would you want to sin anymore? I'm not looking for the world to satisfy me anymore. I've got the satisfaction living already here. So Elijah stood and said, oh God, if you hear my prayers, and as he could not finish the prayer, the Lord said, yeah, I heard it. Here it is, the holy fire that fell and consumed all of the misidentity by consuming the sacrifice that was laid upon it. Now, back to Jacob, who is now Israel. The ministry of a priest is the mediator between heaven and earth. Don't get it wrong. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you and I. But he's not pleading for a mad father to, to not destroy you. The Father and the Son, the Spirit, there is no discrepancy. They're in total, complete agreement. The Greeks tried to find a word that would describe the Trinity. They came up with a word called perichoresis. Perichoresis. It literally means that, in fact, if you want to know what it literally means, I'll literally tell you. Because you literally need to know. As soon as I find it in my literal notes. It, it, first off, there's, nothing can ever divide the Father, the Son, or the Spirit. The word perichoresis means uh, to be around, combined with the word to give way. It could be rotation or going around. It is, as some theologians call it, and some scholars call it, they, they, it's like a choreographed dance that takes place. This is how the, the Greeks would, would define the 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 trinity all members of the dance they call it a dance all members of the dance are as one and are flowing they are fluid to create the meaningful work together the relationship among the father the son the holy spirit is one of glory generosity and action and so why is that important for you and I? It's because when the Lord Jesus came to this earth that spellbound the angels, oh, who is man that they are mindful of him? They're, why, Lord, would you, Son of God, Son of the God, the Son, why would you come to earth and put on this flesh suit and walk a perfect life without the nature of sin? So in order that you may live human, you may die human, and you may rise human, 
human. It's so that you and I could enter into what is called the circle dance so that we could flow in this realm with the Lord following him so that when the Father, you see us, you see the Father. When you see the Father, you see the Son. When you see the Son, you see the Spirit. When you see the church, you see God. That doesn't sound like a God who's trying to keep us away. Go on back now, Mike, and make sure your room's clean and all your clothes are put up and, 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 and make, sure that, that make sure that you get all your T's crossed and your I's dotted. Make sure all your paperwork is in order. Make sure you got everything in the proper order. Now, if you missed that, you missed a dot right there on that long application. You're going to have to go back and do it again. Let me tell you, if you've ever gone through immigration and you're traveling, you better cross every T and dot every I because they'll send you back to that real long line. And once you fill it out up there, it's like, I've waited here six hours. Can I just cross the T? Not right here. Get to the end of the line. <laughs> Spirit of religion. See, what happens is the father is not saying that. He's saying, son, Jesus is not trying to convince me that you're worthy. Jesus is trying to convince you that he made you worthy. My God, if you don't hear any other thing, you need to get this in your getter. You need to know this in your knower. Jesus is the only one who makes you worthy. And it's my faith in him. It's my faith in him. It's my faith in God. I am crucified with Christ, and nevertheless I live. Yet not that I live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live is the faith in him, my faith in him. Let me tell you, this will take care of all the oppression of the enemy. This will cure a lot of ills that are in hearts right now. Is when we begin to understand that his righteousness was received when we accepted him as our Lord. Now that he's reconciled us to himself, he's given us a ministry. You know what ministry means? It means service. It doesn't mean prop me up on the highest seat and let people worship me. I had a guy tell me one day, as I was helping him do something, he said it was an evangelist that came, and, and he was holding a class and all this other kind of stuff. He said, I'm going to put you, I'm going to put word that you can get a promotion. I said, bite your tongue. I don't want a promotion. I got enough to do already. Promotion in the kingdom of God just means more work. More responsibility. You're thinking, wait a minute, you've been preaching grace and work and work and grace, and how does that work? See, we don't work to obtain rest. We work from rest. We, we work from rest. Why do you think the Lord puts these cycles in place? What cycles are you talking about? When you go to bed at night, uh, your fatigue dies into the night, but when you wake up in the morning, unless you're working the night shift, uh, <laughs> we had this artificial light that created all this night shift work, but now, but see, when you, the, the, the light God gives us, uh, see, you wake up every morning uh, to rest. 
You wake up every morning as the S-U-N resurrects out of the darkness. Anyways, message for another day. I'm, I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere. I promise you I'm going somewhere. But what is the significance of Israel? Glad you ask. See, John represented the priest and the priesthood, the rightful priesthood. He, he baptized Jesus in the Jordan. There was a transference from the Levitical priesthood to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus rose there, began his ministry. But here we see in Exodus 19 and 6, and you shall be, this is the Lord speaking to the nation of Israel, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. First Peter 2 and 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What is that declaring to you and I? See, Israel was meant to be a kingdom of priests, which tells me that there's a priesthood to every believer. But God's intent with the promise of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we are to be the nation of priests that go out, not just America, but Mexico and Canada and Africa and all of the countries in those continents. And what we begin to see is that we are called to lengthen the cords, stretch the curtains, let the river of God flow from the side of the Lord all the way into all the other nations so that we understand that with the promise of receiving the Son, Jesus Christ, we are also on mission, and our mission is nations and generations. Ah, oh, would it be a sad existence to live the entirety of your life and never come to the understanding of your purpose on earth is that you are called to take the good news of the gospel, the righteousness of God, that's been revealed in Christ and go let people know that you can be all that you've ever hoped or desired to be you can be in a relationship with a living father you can have a an assurance and a peace the kingdom of God righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Let me tell you, what is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your heart and life? It's to help you proclaim the truth that has already been given by Jesus. Amen? Birthplace of promise. See, with that comes life. With that comes deliverance. With that comes the voice of God. With that comes a ministry of reconciliation. 
Oh, I could go on for five more hours. You have to come back next week to hear the rest of it. Pentecost Sunday. Why was the Spirit poured out? Why was the Spirit poured out? Why did the Lord say to wait in the upper room till you receive power? Wait till in the upper room till the revealer shows up. Because you're not going to do this mission alone. This is a supernatural impartation of righteousness in the heart of the believer. You have been imputed righteous. You have now been imparted righteousness of God. Extraterrestrial. We, we trust God in his righteousness. Now I'm going to give you the one. The, the, I'm, you're, going to, you're going to continue in the circle dance. You're going to continue in the circle dance, and the Spirit, my Spirit's going to be inside of you. And when you open your mouth, he's going to give you the words to speak. And when you got questions, he's the one that's going to answer. He's going to show you your childhood, that you're a child of God, and that you belong to the Father, and that the Father belongs to you. And you're going to have the heart of the Father, and the Father's going to entrust you with his treasure. He's going to entrust his work and his ministry and his calling. When you begin to understand that it's not about you, but it's about what God is is doing in you and through you because what he's already done for you uh, 2,000 years ago, you're going to rise up and you're going to begin to walk in the righteousness of God. You're going to begin to talk the righteousness of God. And when you begin to look, you're going to know, hey, I I'm divinely accepted. And, and uh, I know that some have said, well, that looks like arrogance. No, that's just confidence and not what I have done, but what he's done. Amen? Let me tell you the beautiful thing about the glorious thing of God is that you can have peace and rest and joy and hope inside of you. But listen to me. You can't have joy without peace. Some of you are looking for joy. It's an old country song, looking for love and all the wrong places. Looking for love and all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many places. Hoping Certain I resemble that remark, but anyway, <laughs> what we find till we because we lost our mind, we're born crazy. We're born crazy. We're born just not. We're born senseless. And so we look for joy in so many different places, and we just can't find it because we can't find peace. And we try to put enough shelter around us, enough walls around us, much enough walls around our emotions that we're just, just trying to protect ourselves finding peace because we can't find joy because we can't find peace. But if you discover righteousness, you discover your rightness in God, and you are as you ought to be in Him, you'll have that peace, you'll have that joy. Just a moment, we're going to have a water baptism. Please stick around for just a few minutes. But I got a real strong impression from the Holy Spirit 
Somebody in this house is tired of running. You're tired of the craziness that you're living in. And it's time for you to stop running from God and start running to God and surrender to his lordship by accepting the salvation for the debt that's already been paid. Worship team, come up. Worship team, come up right now. Please stand, if you will. Please stand, if you will. Father, we love you and we praise you. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for these moments that we have together. Lord, I thank you for the door that was opened 2,000 years ago, and I thank you for the door of salvation that's opened this morning. And Lord, I pray right now, Father God, that you would just begin to infiltrate their heart, give them the courage, let them understand they have a courage enough to step out of their seat to come to this altar to surrender to you. Father, we ask these things. I want those of you that are being water baptized, go ahead and make your way back. Worship team, just begin to play. But if you're in this house right now and you know this message is for you, you know that you're not living where you need to live and you want to be set free by the power of sin, the power of Satan, and your own, your own selfish nature and turn to God and say, Lord, I'm going to surrender to this thing he's talking about. I'm going to surrender to this right standing with you. I'm going to surrender to your lordship. Then right now these altars are open. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you came from. If you've been attending this church for years or you just stepped in here for the first time, this altar invitation is for you. Come down. We're going to pray with you. You're going to pray, and God's going to make the changes. Come on. Come on. There's more. There's more. There's some struggle and some craziness right now you want to get out of and you want to get away from. Come on. Come on. You're just saying, God, I don't know how to do it, but, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it through the power of God. I'm going to do it through trusting my faith in you. Come on. There's some more. There's some more. Come on. Come on, we're going to surrender. We're going to surrender to the righteousness of God. We're going to surrender to the payment that's already paid. Come on, come on. Oh, merciful God, you are worthy. There's, there's, there's two more, I know, two more, I know. Come on, it's up to you. I've done all that I know to do. I've done all I know to do. I'm just going to give you a few more moments. As they begin to worship, we're going to begin to pray. Those of you in the altar by now, don't leave until you're prayed for. Come on, don't leave until you're prayed for. But I 